hey, ladies, um, and I'm talking about single women, women without children. If you're a woman that has had a miscarriage, if you're a woman that's lost a child, if you're a woman that's had an abortion, if you're a woman that is with the child and has children, or your grandmother or great-grandmother, uh, happy Mother's Day. And uh, we want to communicate to you our love and appreciation and remind all of us of God's beautiful and great love for us today. And the worship team and everything has just gone so well at trying to get us on our eyes looking vertical to the Lord. Oftentimes on days like this, this can be a day where all of a sudden we spend time singing, we spend time together looking at the vertical, and then we all of a sudden switch it on to the all about me or the all about the horizontal. And I just want to let you know we're not going to do that today. I think, ladies, for you, the thing I really want to do is I want to bring from Scripture here some encouragement to you and some challenge that's vertically driven and not so much just a massive pat on the back for you, but uh, we want to be a place that is pointing people vertically. And so we want to continue to do that here right now as we dig into the scriptures, okay? So uh, here today, we're going to take a look at three things, three challenges, three items of encouragement for you, for all the ladies, for also, by the way, this is for all the men as well. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1. You're there. Now, you think Samuel doesn't sound very much like a Mother's Day text. Um, sounds like about Sam. Um, actually, this is about Hannah. Um, Hannah poured out. This is just a beautiful passage. We're going to spend some time with it. Hannah is Samuel's mother, uh, becomes Samuel's mother. And let's start out with this. First statement of challenge and encouragement is this. God directs my history. God directs my history. First Samuel chapter 1, first eight verses. There was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, got to read that slow, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Elkanah was the son of Jeraham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. Oh, made it through that. <laughs> Woo! Now we go downhill from there. He had two wives. Okay, listen, ladies, this is not the focus of the text. <laughs> okay, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other Penina, and Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. I just want to make a pause here on that. No, I'm not going to spend the time on the two wife thing, but I will say this. I think this is very possibly what happened. We don't know for sure with Elkanah, uh, the man, the husband in the story, but I think it's very likely actually that what Elkanah did was Elkanah had married Hannah, didn't have children. They weren't bearing children. And so uh, I'll just say it this way. Elkanah took uh, the matter into his own hands and married another wife to be able to have children. There's a whole lesson right there. There's a whole lesson right there in being patient for God's sovereign work and what God's going to do. Um, but I just want to lay that out. Verse 3. Now this man, Elkanah, used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. 
And when the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, Eli was the father, Hophni and Phinehas were the children. They were like the priests. Uh, the tabernacle is up. This is not the constructed temple, but this is the tabernacle, kind of like the tent temple. Uh, Eli is the, if you, let's just say the head priest, Hophni and Phinehas are, are priests under him. And I'm just going to say, if you keep reading Samuel, you'll find out not real th- good things going on in that family. Uh, but they were priests of the Lord, verse 4. And on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. You got the picture? But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Look at this. Though the Lord had closed her womb. Question. Who had closed Hannah's woman, Hannah's womb, and not allowed her to have children who? Verse six, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. Okay, by the way, don't do the dual wife. Okay, this is not a happy home. All right. This isn't the case. Look at that. The rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. Why? Because the Lord had closed her womb in case we missed that in the last verse. Verse seven. So it went on year by year. Now do you have the picture? What a home life. Hannah, unable to bear children. The co-wife just irritating her, not just once, not just twice, but year after year after year. Neener, neener, I have children, you don't. I cannot even fathom that. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Uh, Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. That makes sense. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Dude. Oh. Uh, Guys, ladies, be, be gentle and gracious. But guys, is this not us sometimes? It's like, why are you so sad? I Here's a thought. I can't have children and I would love to. But Elkanah doesn't stop there. He has one more question. Dude, don't ask it, but he does. Am I more to you than 10 sons? Right at the moment. (laughs) Okay. Got the scene. Verses five and six. The Lord closed Hannah's womb. She could not have children. God in his sovereignty was not allowing her to have children. And I just want to acknowledge, maybe some of you are living Hannah's reality right now. And even if you aren't, this is a text where you walk away and you go, why would God do that? If God is so loving, why doesn't he love me by blank? Life is supposed to give me blank. They have blank. I don't. We don't have blank. It's really easy to get critical of God, isn't it? Ladies and men, we tend to view life 
as our own kingdom. This life is mine. It's this idea of I am the queen of this kingdom. For us guys, I am the king of this kingdom. And this life is about my kingdom and those in my kingdom should act the way that I expect them to act, when I expect them to act, and how I expect them to act. And when they don't, I will judge them and I will punish them in whatever sort we choose. Isn't it true? I'm just going to tell you straight up this week, I've had times where that has been my situation this last week. And I know it has been for you too. Hey, it is hard to live life with the reality that this kingdom This is not my kingdom. This is not your kingdom. This is not our kingdom. There is a king that owns this kingdom. And it is the king of all things. It is the Godhead. Listen, ladies, I want to encourage you in this. I I realize it's hard to go through life at times and no disappointments. Hannah did. Her heart was broken. Devastated. Hurt. She would go to the temple, to the tabernacle, and weep. God, what are you doing? Don't you remember me? What's happening here? But the reality is, is that this is the Lord's kingdom, and he is the king, and that means we are his subjects. But I have to say, even when we get that reality... Life disappointments just don't vanish. I want for you to understand that I'm not saying, hey, God is in control of all things. And therefore, you know what? Smile through all of it. It doesn't answer all our questions. It even doesn't make life easy. But I have to say this, friends. It's true. This is not our kingdom. We are the subjects of the king who owns this kingdom. History is the Lord's, history is the Lord's story. Moms, ladies, even on a wonderful day like Mother's Day, there's always some hidden hurts. You're not alone. You're not alone. But I want to encourage you by this. God directs your history. Your history is in good hands. The Lord is moving it. The Lord is directing it. And understand this. The nation at the time of 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel at the time of 1 Samuel, it lacked any godly leadership. Just go and read the book of Judges. It lacked any godly leadership. The priesthood was defiled. Eli is going to die soon because he was not a man after God's own heart. There was no sustained prophetic message from the Lord that was being held. Uh, God's word was being ignored throughout the land, but God cared about his people. And in it all, in his sovereignty, he had pulled out a woman who was barren. 
and she was going to birth a child unto the Lord, for the Lord. What an incredible story. Well, let's, let's see the rest of it unfold. Second statement, ladies, encouragement, God hears your prayer. Verse nine, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh and Hannah rose, now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And here's uh, Hannah's reality. She was deeply distressed. So what does she do with it? She prays to the Lord and wept bitterly. I want first to understand this is a hurting lady, isn't it? I mean, this is to the very soul just aching and hurting. Verse 11, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and, and not forget your servant. By the way, just within that, uh, there's almost this little bit of thing of, God, do you remember me? Uh, don't forget me. Boy, in, in times of hurt and in times of loneliness and times when you want to have a child and unable to, sometimes you just wonder, God, do you even remember me? Uh, but we'll give your servant a son then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. That was, in other words, he will hold to the Nazarite vow. Verse 12, and she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. I love that. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Got the picture? Therefore, Eli, in essence, the chief priest, took, took her to be a drunken woman. Dude, what happened to the think the best? Here you are at the tabernacle and someone's over there with just kind of their lips are moving and they're like just going out. Why not think that they're praying? I'm just telling you that's the situation of the day. Eli took her to be a drunken woman and Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put away your wine from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Poured out. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation, or I think the New International Version says out of my uh, uh, affection and grief, or what's the anguish and grief, anguish and grief. And then Eli answered, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. I'm just going to tell you, I don't know quite what happened there. But we get this idea that Hannah goes away from this time just rejoicing. Uh, she came in face down. Now she's coming out face no longer sad. Somehow here she has hope that the Lord is going to answer her prayer. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. And then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah and his wife. And the Lord remembered her. Here's a big statement. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. Friends, due time is God's time. Due time is God's time. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called him Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Here's this prayer born out of sorrow and hurt and disappointment and suffering, and she pours out her soul before the Lord, and out of her grief, 
grows a willingness to give her child to the Lord. Listen, this nation needed a child given unto the Lord. And in all of this, I'm not taking away Hannah's grief, but she has no idea what's happening. And yet in all this, the sovereignty of God is working in a woman who would be able to, in a time where there is nobody really giving their child unto the Lord, and out of her grief, out of her experience, out of her sovereign hurt from the Lord, in essence, she comes to a place where she's willing to give her child unto the Lord, if that would be the case. God directs our history. And in it all, one of the things that we find out if we really believe that is if we go to the Lord in prayer. Because the one who directs history, I need to be on my knees before the one who directs history. And that was this kind of woman. What, what a woman. Verse 21, then the man Elkan, her husband, and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear before the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, uh, do what seems best to you. I think there's just a lot of respect by her husband for her. Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with a three-year-old bull and ephah of flour and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young, probably in the area of about three years old. And then they slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, talking to Eli, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. By the way, we don't know if Eli remembers her or not. Verse 27, for this child I prayed and the Lord granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I love this. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent unto the Lord. I love that terminology. And he worshiped the Lord there. The Lord hears prayer. The Lord sovereignly answers prayer. Hannah carries out her vow to the Lord. It's all about the Lord. Uh, may I just remind us on Mother's Day, children are not the crown jewel of life. The crown jewel of life is the glory of the Lord. Children are a blessing from the Lord, but the Lord is the crown jewel of all of life. And ladies, your life is to be all about serving the king. That's what you want to be about. You want to serve the king. And that means, moms, you want the same for your children. You want to be raising children that are lent unto the Lord. Listen, they are the Lord's. And yet how often do we idolize, especially in our society today, oftentimes really our children become the idol of our life. And about their career and their academics and their sporting ability or their musical ability or whatever it might be. Nothing's wrong with that. But ultimately, you want to raise a child that is lent unto the Lord. That's the objective. Honestly, who cares about their career? 
Honestly, who cares how much they make? Honestly, who cares how cool they are? Honestly, we should care how godly they are pursuing to be. And listen, your job and, uh, as a parent is to be raising them unto the Lord like Hannah. Listen, God, he, he's your child. God, she's your child. And, and you've lent him unto me. I lent him back to you. And can I just say, moms, when the kids get older and leave home, let them leave. The goal of parenting is to raise our children to be equipped to handle life biblically, and to leave home. We want them that way. We yearn for them to be able to, we should say this, we should idolize them to be children that are pursuing after the Lord, adults pursuing after the Lord. That's what we should want. That's what we should be cranked up about and consumed about. Moms, love you. And we want to encourage you. Raise your children unto the Lord. By the way, there's a side note here. Eli's home was a total wreck. Oh, and the nation was a total wreck. And out of this semi-dysfunctional family, gives us all hope, the Lord is raising a man who is going to be leading this nation. Hey, listen, a nation goes as the home goes. A nation goes as the home goes. It's that important. So Hannah drops off her son with Eli, a praying woman, drops off her son. By the way, not a great dad, Eli is. And what does she do? She blamed God. She get all ticked off. I've only had him three years. I've only had him four years. I just watch this. So what does Hannah do? How about this? She breaks out in declarative worship. Look at this. This is what she does. Chapter two, verses one through 11. And Hannah prayed. This is just who she is. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like you, Lord. There's none set apart like you, Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. By the way, I wonder how much of this is she uh, having Peninna in her mind. An irritating cattiness that is going on in her life. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth for the Lord is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven. The barren, she knows that one. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills. In other words, the Lord takes life and the Lord brings to life. He brings down to Sheol. By the way, where is Sheol? Oh, by the way, that was a slight advertisement for men, the standout thing. Uh, or I'm sorry, the harvest youth thing coming up. We're going to be talking about the intermediate state 
what happens after a person dies to the physical resurrection, Sheol, uh, back to the text. Uh, he brings down to Sheol and raises up. Verse 7, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones. How sweet. But the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The, adverse, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah and the boy ministered to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Here we see this lady just pouring out worship. I just have to say, what a woman. I mean, what a mom. Mom in the struggle of her history under a sovereign king. A, a mom who just pours her heart out in prayer to the Lord. And she worships. Uh, you could at this point say, so Doug, is this saying that if I'm hurting in life and I'm missing something in life that I take it to the Lord and, and he'll give it to me? Uh, um, no. We're reading a narrative, and this is telling about Hannah's story. Uh, let's understand that I'm sure there were other women of the day who were barren, and this didn't happen. Let's not turn God into our little divine gumball machine. I put in a prayer, and I get out a gumball. Listen, he's going to do what he's going to do. It's kind of like we're all on this big ship out in the ocean, and on that ship, we have freedom to be able to work and to be able to do things and make life choices. But do know this, the ship is going somewhere. And so we have a freedom and yet within the reality, but God is taking all things to a place. But she pours out her worship. I'll just say, ladies, pour it out. Pour out your worship to the Lord. Ladies, Pour out your prayer unto the Lord. Pour it out. He hears you. He directs all history and, and you're in good hands. And for all of us, I just want to really remind us, this is not our kingdom. I am not the king of my kingdom. I am the subject to the king of the kingdom. And you and I are too, right? That's what we're to be. Moms, your children are a gift from the Lord. And the greatest joy in life of having a child is being a mom that pushes them, that guides them, that directs them to the Lord and lets them go there. They're going to make their own choices. But as a mom, you're pointing them in that direction. Raise them up equipped to handle life biblically. And let them go. God directs your history. Is your life being placed under the king of the kingdom? Is it? 
God hears your prayer. Are you pouring yourself out to the Lord like Hannah did in prayer? God receives your worship. Is your life about pouring out your life under the sovereign king of this kingdom? And I just want to say you might be at a place here today where uh, you go, man, that is so cool for Hannah. But frankly, Hannah lived 1100 BC. That's like over 3,000 years ago. Does that really have anything to do with me today? It does. And in fact, as part of my gift to you today, uh, we're trying to let you out a little bit early today. Um, Surprise. Uh, But also with this, we kind of want to wrap up our time by watching, uh, watching a story of a mom from here. And uh, a mom from here who has gone through some life trials, a family who's gone through some life trials, and wants to share that with you today. I want to have you listen to this uh, God at Work video and watch for three things in it. Watch in it how Susan and Kevin talk about how God directs their history, essentially. I want for you to watch in it how even in the hurt and the, the, the wondering and the confusion of it all, taking it to the Lord in prayer. And I want for you also to be able to hear in it how both during it and after it, it was all about the worship of the Lord. Let's hear from Kevin and Susan.